Praise the Lord, and we are so grateful for you, for your giving. I always believe the moment that you pull up on the parking lot, you have already given. You've given us our, your time. You could do anything else. You could be anywhere else. But when you support the ministry and you're supporting me, it does make me feel like you are invested. And then some people go beyond that and they give from their bank accounts. They give from their means. Some others give from their talents. So whatever you give, we appreciate it because it helps make us who we are. Some places people get beat up in church about their giving. But we don't do that here. We're just grateful for everything that you do. Because what we believe is you can never beat God giving. No matter how hard you try. All right, we're going to bow our heads again and prepare our hearts for the word of the Lord. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, love you, honor you, and appreciate you. God, I'm asking that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, that you would move up and down every aisle, in and out, every row. Let no one's coming. Be in vain, let no one's tuning in online. Be in vain, let no one's hearing be in vain. God, we thank you that revelation knowledge will flow freely, unhindered, uninterrupted, and unchecked by any satanic or demonic forces. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And let everybody say, amen. Amen. All right, with your Bibles in your hands. You might think I would get tired of doing this, this routine over and over. I don't. I love it. I love it. I just... Love what I do. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. This is important. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple. Where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me this word. Oh, come on, put your hands together. Glory to God. Before I move on, I'm going to tell on my, my daughter and sometimes my wife. Uh, sometimes around the house, they will say, we are living our vision every other day. That way they have a day where they can cut up if they want to. <laughs> but no, we try to live our vision every day. Not every minute of the day are we living our vision, but our goal is to do that every single day, to reach that goal. So uh, today, as uh, I'm just going to have them put the title up, and then I'll kind of go how... We got there. So somebody say this. Say it's only temporary. Say it again. It's only temporary. So something happened last night that that triggered me. Um, for several years, that what would happen when I would preach on Sunday morning, Monday is my spiritual day off where I'm not trying to do anything Spiritual. I usually shut my phone off. Sometimes I don't even listen to gospel music. I'll just have a detox day. And then by Tuesday, I'm usually working on the sermon for the next Sunday. Well, these last several months, I don't have anything by Tuesday. Sometimes I'm not getting anything from God until very late in the week, sometimes Sunday morning. And I'm just waiting for God to give me something. I'm not going to make up anything. If I come here and we don't have anything, uh, we're going to do praise and we're going to leave. I'm not going to make nothing up because my job is to be a messenger. So I, I just wait for God to speak. So so last night uh, I heard about the storms that were going on and I heard about the, the many people who were out of power. And my mother was one of the people who was out of power uh several times throughout the day, and so I decided to make sure to check on her late last night, hoping she had power, but by, we showed around 10 o'clock, she still didn't have any power, and so I wanted to know, did she want to come to my house, uh, where we did have power, she's like, no, she'll be okay, and I could tell she was ready to just go to sleep, she had her candle, she was okay, but as I left, I just didn't feel right, it's like, man, I'm leaving my mama by herself without power, anything could happen. And, you know, I'm not one of those people who are very, very nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty even-keeled person, 
But some of my nerves were starting to rise a little like uh, I, I need to double back around and make sure she's okay. But I just heard the spirit say this. It's only temporary. So no, no need to really, really flip out. Now, if she's going to be out three, four days, then, then we need to make some arrangements. But it's okay to relax because it's only temporary. It, this is not a permanent situation. It's a temporary situation. So most of us can handle things as long as we understand it's only temporary. It, it's amazing what you can bear under as long as you know it's only temporary. You ever had just a terrible, terrible migraine and you feel like I can still go to work because I'm going to put in, take some pills and more than likely this migraine is not going to last all day. It's only going to last momentarily. So what I got to do, I got to bear up under it while I'm there. But if I can push through it, I can make it. And the problem with people is, is when they take temporary things and make them long term. If you take the depression and make it long term, you'll never make it out. If you take the low self-esteem and make it long term, you'll never make it out. But if you look at everything and make up in your mind, it's only temporary. It's amazing what you can overcome once you understand it's only temporary. There's a story before I move on. There was a story about a pilot, a pilot who was running into turbulence and he tells over the loudspeaker he tells basically the same thing that I'm saying he tells the people just buckle your seatbelts hold on we're getting ready to hit some turbulence but it's only temporary so so it's gonna feel bad for a moment it's gonna be scary things may be rocky and rough but as the pilot I'm letting you know it's only temporary well, see, the way pilot, uh, piloting work and the way planes work in America, they have to have two pilots. There is a main pilot and then there's a secondary pilot just in case something goes wrong. And normally the secondary pilot doesn't have the uh, seniority as the main pilot. And many times the secondary pilot is training. And so the secondary pilot asks the pilot uh, that was the main pilot, asked the question, how can you tell them it's only temporary because you don't know that. And he says, yes, I, I don't know that. But what you need to understand, there is a tower down on the ground. And the tower radios ahead. And what has happened is there are other planes that have gone before me. And the planes that have gone before me have landed and they've communicated back to the tower that it's only temporary. So, no, I don't know it for sure, but somebody has already gone ahead of me and they've reported back it's not going to last forever. And my job is to tell you it's some people who've gone ahead of you and I'm here to tell you it's not going to last forever. One psalmist said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. It's only temporary. And you need people in your life who've gone through some stuff that can look back and tell you what you're in right now. Don't let it pull you out. Don't let it make you give up because it's only temporary. It hurts right now. It feels bad right now. But it's only temporary. All right, that's enough for us to get up and go home, but you know I ain't going to let y'all do that. All right, let's, let's, let's look at just a uh, definition of temporary. Lasting for only a limited period of time, and here's what I like, not permanent, not permanent, not permanent. You have to remind yourself it's not permanent. All you women who birth children, when those contractions hit, one of the reasons why you was able to bear it because you knew the contraction while it was excruciating, it wasn't going to last forever. It was temporary. It wasn't permanent. If it was permanent, you would probably mess up the doctor, the husband, the boyfriend, everything. 
But knowing that this contraction is going to keep coming, but it can't last forever. So you're able to, in your mind, here's the thing, in your mind, you're able to understand if I can just bear up under it, I can get through it. All right, let's look at some synonyms of temporary. How about this brief, short-lived, momentary, fleeting, passing, impermanent, here today and gone tomorrow, transient, non-permanent, short-term, interim. It's a possibility that what you're going through is an interim thing, a short-lived thing. That's why you cannot make permanent decisions on momentary pain. You, you, you can't make permanent decisions, I'll say it again, on momentary pain. Because what you'll do, you'll make decisions. And there's something that people call trauma bonding. Where you bond to people based on your trauma, but your trauma was not permanent. But now you're making permanent decisions based on a momentary thing. We all going to go through something. We all going to go through some stuff, but we cannot live in that stuff and make all the decisions from that stuff. Because it will rob us of the possibilities of the future. All right, now put that in your mind on a shelf. The idea that it's not temporary and I'm going to go on a uh, strategic rabbit trail about some other stuff, come back to the temporary and then help you make some sense. So just put that on the shelf in your mind for just a second. And let's put this up. Seven feast festivals in the Bible. So now I'm jumping all the way to the feast of the Bible, the festivals, which have so much information in them. And I, I really would like to preach and teach on them one time. But every time I think about it, I just haven't got to it. It's just so much in it. But there's these Jewish feasts that they were called to do. And these Jewish feasts, even though we're not Jews and we're in the New Testament, New Covenant, they actually have implications to our spiritual life. Because God doesn't do anything by happenstance. Everything he does was really planned out and strategic. So I'm just going to really run through all seven of them, and I'm going to focus on the last one because it's going to have to do to tie in with the message. So I'll, I'll have them put it up again. There's seven feasts or festivals in the Bible, and these are the seven, and you can go ahead and bring those up again. These are the seven that we talk about. One is Passover, two is unleavened bread, three is first fruits, four is Pentecost, five is Feast of Trumpets, six is Day of Atonement, Seven is Feast of Booths. Many of these feasts actually have um, different names as well. Passover is, is normally the same. Unleavened bread, it can be uh, called something different. I believe the, the Feast of Weeks. Then there's First Fruits. Then there's uh, Pentecost. Uh, then there's Feast of Trumpets. There's the Day of Atonement. That's known in Jewish terms as Yom Kippur. And then the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And so what I want to do, I want to focus on the seventh one, which is the Feast of Booths, also known as Tabernacles or Sukkoth. So those are several different names that it's, it's, it's known under. Some people call it the Feast of Tents. And so what we're going to do, we're going to look in Leviticus. And in Leviticus, it tells you all the feasts that God told them to have. And then uh, we're going to focus just on this one. So this passage that I'm taking you to, if you want to study the other feasts, it'll tell you more about them. So, But we're just going to drop in this passage because I want to focus on the Feast of Booths. And the reason why I want to focus on it, you're going to see it very early on as we begin to read. So let's look at Leviticus 23, 33 through 34. Now, I don't have it up there. I'm reading out the Holman Christian Standard Bible. All right, go ahead, Mother Mitchell. That that's not on, so we got to make sure that is on. Or, all right, make sure number eight is unmuted in the back. All right, let's try it again. Tell the Israelites the festival of booths to the Lord begins on the fifteenth day of this seventh month and continues for seven days. Now, I have to tell you that the Jewish calendar is different from the calendar that we are in. So they, they are in what they call a lunar calendar based off of the moon. We are in a solar calendar based off of the sun. But however, it says that in the 15th day 
of the seventh month. Well, in the solar calendar, what month are we in? We are in the seventh month. So uh, in, in Jewish terms, this wouldn't happen until October. But for us, it would be the seventh month. So it got me thinking about this. This is the seventh feast. It happens in the seventh month, the 15th day of the seventh month, which would have been just last week. And then it's supposed to last for a full week. Let's read some more about it. Let's look at verses 35 through 36. There is to be a sacred assembly on the first day. You are not to do any daily work. You are to present a fire offering to the Lord for seven days. On the eighth day, you are to hold a sacred assembly and present a fire offering to the Lord. It is a solemn gathering. You are not to do any daily work. Now, God has given them these instructions, telling them you have to have these feasts. And so when I've studied it and, and paid attention to it, there's something that I kind of missed in it. And here's one of the things that I missed. They were coming out of Egypt and coming out of bondage. And the problem is, and we just put it on, on our, our rolling video, is that when you're coming out of Egypt, Many times Egypt comes with you. You have to leave the past in the past, but when you're trained in the past, you have a problem of bringing the past with you. And so when God instituted feast, one of the things he always said is, I don't want you doing any work. I want you to chillax. I want you to relax. So here's the thing. When you're a slave and you've been told to work and you've been beat to work, you get that mindset that your worth is connected to your work. And what God says is I am God and I don't need you thinking that you have to work for me to approve of you. Your work is not, ba your, my approval is not based on your work. My approval is based on your faith. So the first thing I need you to do is learn how to rest. And here's something you need to understand. When you are in hard trials and hard things and hard seasons, it shapes your mind in a certain way that when you come out of it, you still have that mentality. So many times what God says, what I want you to do is relax. Some of the best things church folk can do is just relax. Church folks can be so deep and so spiritual and sometimes so spooky, and let me be honest, sometimes so crazy. Sometimes folk in church are just crazy. And because many times we have spiritual warfare and we're battling things, but sometimes it's okay to have a day off, a day or two off. It's okay. How you doing? I plead the blood. Man, chill out. Chill out. I just... I just saw you at the grocery store. You're over there anointing the bread and, and commanding the prices to come down and walking seven times around. Maybe you ought to just chill for a minute. Because you get in the mindset that God is only going to do if I work, work, work. If I do, do, do. And there's a time to work. And there's a time to do. But many times God says there's a time to rest. Because many of the things that we're facing, we couldn't work ourselves to fix it. You got, you got a spouse, you can't change her. You got a spouse, you can't change him. You got an adult child, you can't change him or change her. You got a boss that gets on your nerve, you can't change him, change her. So sometimes you got to learn how to go with the flow. And you got to just put things in God's hand and let God, God, you do the work. I'm not fretting. I'm not stressing. I'm not going to dread myself to death. Many times you get up and get dressed for work and you're full of dread. You, you're already in your mind said, I wish a brother would say something to me this morning. You, you already got yourself worked up. Sometimes you just need to chill. And say, God, I'm putting you on the case and you do it when you want to do it. You do it in your time. You do it how you want to do it. But it's I'm too old to let anything steal my joy today. My joy is too precious. My mind is too precious. I don't have enough mental capacity to give everybody a piece of my mind. I'm keeping my peace. I'm keeping my joy. And I'm going to rest. And when you make up in your mind you're going to do that, the devil just throws all kinds of stuff at you. My mother was talking about the week that she had and just the many just things that just kept happening 
all week long to it. Those things are designed. The scripture says that, that, uh, that Satan is trying to wear out the patience of the saints. Just wear you out. Just work on your nerves. But at the end of the day, if God has a promise for me, he's going to do what he said he was going to do. So I'm going to learn how to rest in the process. And so God had to command them because they were coming from a mindset of bondage. And whenever you have a mindset of bondage, you always try to work when you don't need to work. All right, let's, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse 39. You uh, are just actually, uh, before you go there, it's something I didn't point out. He talked about that they should have a fire offering every seven days. He was tricking them into having a bonfire every night. Sit back there and have a bonfire. I don't know if they pulled out marshmallows or what, but every now and then, God is saying, I just need you to chill. Yeah. Joyce Meyer said a long time ago, eat the cookie, buy the shoes, eat the cake. In other words, when you're on a budget, you can't buy everything. When you're on a diet, you can't eat everything. But everybody needs a cheat day, a cheat moment. Eat the cookie with all the icing on it. Just just have yourself a moment because life is too hard to be so deep and so, so rigid. No, enjoy. Go in the backyard and look up at the stars and thank God for the stars. You, you ain't got to speak in tongues. Just start a fire and look up and thank the Lord. Learn how to shift your atmosphere by the way that you think. So the mindset is very important. It's vitally important what you do. And so we, we, we have to create and cultivate things like that. It's not easy, but I learned it's much harder being mad and stressed out all the time than it is to be relaxed. Now, sometimes you can be too relaxed, but there is a, there's a balance. And many Christians are just, just too deep. Too deep for me. I mean, irritatingly deep. Just deep all the time. And, and to be honest, I don't always want to be called pastor all the time. When, when, when you see me and I'm swimming with my kids, pastor, no, I'm just Andre. I'm just enjoying my time with my family because we all need those moments. And so God commanded them to do that. And all right, let's, let's get off of that and continue to read. You are to celebrate the Lord's festival on the 15th day of the seventh month for seven days after you have gathered the produce of the land. After you have worked. There will be complete rest on the first day and complete rest on the eighth day. So seven days you're going to be doing this, but there's going to be complete rest on the first day and complete rest on the eighth day. I know we just went on sabbatical, but let me ask you, when's the last time you had some complete rest? When's the last time you shut the phone off and, and schedule a day for yourself. Some of you women, you kind of stop waiting for a man to do everything and schedule your own spa day, your own massage, your own facial, your own manicure, pedicure. Don't wait for somebody to do it. Don't wait for your kids to do it. Schedule it yourself and tell folks, I'm, I am gone. I'm busy. And when people say, well, well, I thought you said you was busy. I was. I was busy with me. You need some complete rest so that your mind is ready to face what you need to face. Because what we're going through is not necessarily easy. All right, let's continue reading verse 40. On the first day, you are to take the product of majestic trees, palm fronds, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So you, 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 you're going to have a day of complete rest. But in the rest, I want you to praise me in the rest. Because what God is saying is that, that, that whatever you're facing, while it's hard and tough, it's only temporary. So what I need you to do is I need you to take a moment and relax. But in the relaxing, I want you to praise me. And so he said, I want you to get the palm fronds. Remember on Palm Sunday, we dealt with the palm fronds and I gave you guys the palm fronds. So I want you to use these first things. I want you to use these things to do is to praise me. So one of the problems we have with our rest is sometimes when we rest, we try to cut God out when we rest. And then we do too much. I'm going to rest and I'm going to have a lemon drop martini because pastor said that I could drink every now and then. I, I never said that. 
I said that I do. I didn't say what you should do, but anyway, some people do that. But then, eight lemon drop martinis later, you're doing stuff you ain't supposed to do. So I, I want you to rest, but take God with your rest. And when the Holy Spirit said that's enough, that's enough. You, you can go and watch this and do this and listen to this, but always take the Holy Spirit with you because sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you it's enough of that. You don't watch enough of that. You don't heard enough of that. You don't drink enough of that. And for some of y'all, you don't smoke enough of that. It, it, enough. It, it's enough. So, so don't lose your mentality that even though I'm resting, I'm still serving God. Now, the problem with church folk as well, many times they're trying to serve the pastor and they're not trying to serve God. So if the pastor sees me, I'm going to put my alcohol away. Don't worry about me. Worry about this. God wants you to do it. Because not everybody is wired to only have one drink. Some of y'all need too much and you're not wired like that. So don't be trying to do what somebody else does. Stay in your lane and know your limitations within your lane. I heard about pastor and pastor's wives going to the strip club and praying for the women and getting some of them delivered and getting them off the pole. That is not my ministry. I am not that saved and I'm not that delivered. I'm not going nowhere near it. That's not my calling. And I don't know if it's Lady Devin's calling, but she got to do it by herself. That ain't for me. I know my lane. I know what works for me. So even though I'm resting, there's boundaries within my rest. I'm still trying to praise God. All right, let's let's continue to read verse 41. You are to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord seven days each year. Each, Each year. This is a permanent statute for you throughout your generations. You must celebrate it in the seventh month. One of the reasons why I'm bringing it up, because for us, this is the seventh month. All right, let's look at 23, 42 through 43. And here's here's the major point. Live in temporary shelters for seven days. All native-born Israelites are to live in such shelters so your descendants will know that I had the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. All right, so really what the Feast of Booth is, and the reason why people call it the Feast of Tents, is because what they would do is they would leave their house and they would actually camp. So in this time, it was in a warmer climate in Israel, so they would go out and they would camp. And what they would do is they would build huts or tents. And in these seven days, they would leave the accoutrements of the house and actually camp. And those palm fronds that they waved before the Lord in praise, they would make that the roofing of the tent or the hut that they were staying in. And some Jewish scholars talks about what happens is because of the way the hut was built is that you could see the sky up through the hut roof. So they would rest in there and then they would look up in the sky and it would remind them that at the end of the day, all my protection comes from the Lord. See, in in the roof of their house, they may think I'm protected by the wood. And for us, I'm protected by the steel and the concrete. So I'm protected from the elements. But God says, I want you to go out there and camp out there. And I want you to look up and I want you to see the stars and know really there's nobody that protects you but me and God. I mean, but God, there's no one that protects you, but God protecting you and taking care of you. And so you realize it's always, at the end of the day, it's always me and God. If everybody leaves me, there's still me and God. If people forsake me, there's still me and God. David said, if my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will still take me up. So he wanted the children of Israel to be reminded of that. And then he said this to them. He said, because I want you to remember that when you left Egypt, because you didn't go straight from Egypt to the promised land, they left Egypt and they end up in the wilderness. And he said, in the wilderness, they didn't have uh, structured homes. They had temporary homes and while they had temporary homes, I still protected them. And so here's the point that I'm making I, and I went through that rabbit trail for a reason. Your temporary times, God has protected you in the temporary times. In your worst of times, he's protected you. So when you get in a new time, you have to remind yourself of the old time and tell yourself 
it's only temporary. Because if God did it before, he can do it again. See, see if, if you're 40, 45, 50, and 60, you've seen a long list of things that God has done. You've seen God do so much that you've actually forgot some of the things that God has done. And so sometimes God wants you to get back to just bare necessities to remind you, I'm yet faithful. I'm not sure how all the people in Muncie just yesterday felt when they were out without power. But what it does, it triggers you and reminds you how many things you rely on. But even without power, there's still God. So God can protect me in anything. And whatever I'm in right now, it's only temporary. Because what I learned about God, he wouldn't allow me to step in it if he couldn't bring me out of it. He wouldn't have assigned me to go through it if I wasn't going through it. So while it may be big, it's only temporary. While it may hurt, it's only temporary. While it may be stressful, it's only temporary. While I'm broke right now, it's only temporary. While I'm anxious right now, it's only temporary. Because God has proven to me he's been there down the line. All right, so we're going to go through four points that we learn. And, and, and from that feast, I'm going to bring up four points that will help us. And we're going to go through these things actually pretty quickly. So let's put number one up. And this came from the palm fronds. Praise me while you wait because what you're facing, say it with me, is only temporary. So, if you believe it's permanent, you will change your praise. If you believe it's temporary, your praise will stay the same or it will go higher because you know it's only temporary. It won't last always. Trouble don't last always. All right, let's go to point number two. This is another thing we learn in that, that feast. Rest in me while you wait because what you're facing, say it with me, is only temporary. So not only can I praise, I can also rest. I remember when Devin and I were uh, going to get married and we had not found a place to stay yet. We were just engaged. We had a wedding date. We had not found a place yet. But God had told me that everything was going to be all right. And so as the man were going to be her new husband, people were badgering me, well, where y'all going to live? And I said, I don't know. And somebody went off on me. What you mean you don't know? What you mean you done married a woman, you done paid for a, a honeymoon and ring, and you don't have no place to stay? And I said, God will provide. And they thought I was just being deep. But I had been looking for things, but nothing had popped up yet. But I knew I was supposed to marry her, and everything else had fell into place. So why would God fail me now? Why would we come home from a honeymoon that I was able to pay for and not have a place to stay? So even though I didn't know where I was going to stay, I knew God was going to provide. One particular time, Deb and I were riding and we happened to see a home. I, I can't remember if it, if it was Deb and I or maybe it was just me. I can't remember how it was, but I saw it in something in me. Let me know this is going to be the first place we were going to stay. It said for sale. sale and it, it, it was a rental place at the time. I, actually, I think it was just me. But I pulled in the driveway and I looked around first because at the end of the day, I am a black male and something could go wrong. But I felt in my spirit to walk around that house seven times and claim it for myself. Now, like I said, I am a black man and it was dark and it could have went south. But I believe that's what God was telling me to do. And so I did it. I walked around it seven times, and that happened to be three months before the wedding. And guess what? We end up that being our first place because God will provide. So what I did, I praised him, and I rested. But the point I'm trying to make is people on the outside tried to make me more worried, but at the end of the day, they weren't going to pay for it anyway. They weren't going to put no money in the pipe. Only thing they could do was offer their opinion. Don't let somebody's opinion make you lose your rest. I'm resting. Stayed in that place two years, and then we purchased our very first house in 2002, which meant we were married two years and were already homeowners. Not only did God provide, he provided, provided. And 22 years later, she still liked me, kind of. 
I, I think she's still with me. 20 years, 22 years later, why? Because God provided. So now, let, let me say this. So now all of our issues are not over, but what I can do, I can look back over 22 years, and if God has been faithful in 22 years, why should I lose my rest now? Truth of the matter is the trials get harder as you go, but you lean back on what God has already done. And here's the thing. If God wasn't going to be there for me, he had 22 years to not be there for us. But if he's still been there for us, he's still going to be there. So I'm going to praise and I'm going to rest while I wait. Somebody say that with me. I'm going to praise and I'm going to rest while I wait. Now, now I've somewhat tricked you. The last two messages that I've talked about, really the substratum or the foundation is about patience. I've really been teaching you about waiting because I know God is going to do some things in all of your lives, but it's not going to come without waiting. And some of it has been prolonged waiting. So I'm teaching you how to wait well so that you can walk in your destiny. Let's go bring up point number three. This is vitally important. Trust me. While you wait, because what you're facing, say it with me, is only temporary. So we're going to praise him, we're going to rest in him, and we're going to trust him because we're getting it through our head. It's only temporary. Here's the fourth one. Have faith in me while you wait because what you're facing, come on, is only temporary. So I'm going to I'm going to praise him, I'm going to rest in him, I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to have faith in him. And the truth of the matter is you wouldn't be walking through those doors every Sunday if you didn't believe in this. Because y'all all been in enough stuff to make you quit. You've all been in enough stuff to backside and leave it and throw in the towel. But something in you lets you know it's not always going to be like this. So you keep pressing your way. So what you're doing, you are having praise. You are having uh, um, rest. You are having uh, patience and peace. You are having trust and you are having faith in God. And I'm here to let you know you will not be disappointed. All right, now we're going to shift from there and we're going to go into this other passage of scripture that is very familiar and this is how we will close. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. So let's tell you, like Paul told you, the reason why many times you go through a lot of things is to prove to you that you have a power, you have a treasure, but it is wrapped in an earthen clay vessel. My dad used to say we're all just dirt balls. We have been made out of dirt and God put his presence inside of us. But at the end of the day, we are just human beings. And if we don't understand that, we will lose the grace and the mercy we need to help other people. And we'll start thinking that the excellency is about us. And not God. But when you have gone through enough stuff and waited long enough and been disappointed long enough and heard no long enough and, and had pain long enough, it has a way of humbling you. And whatever God does, you will say, God did it. I always know people who haven't been through enough stuff because they have a lot of eyes in their speech. I graduated college. I was the first one to start a business in my family. I got married and I did this and my family depends on me. I and me, I and me. You ain't been through enough stuff. When you've been through enough stuff, it's God has been good to me and God has made a way for me and I'd be lost if it wasn't for God. If I I wouldn't have my mind if it wasn't for God. I'm so glad somebody prayed for me. I'm so glad somebody called my name out. Well, well, you're a pretty smart preacher, Pastor Andre. No, God did it. You don't, you don't know how hard it's been, but God has been there for me. God, 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 God. I like to say this. Some of us just need our eyes knocked out. We need all the I, 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 I knocked out of us so we can say God, 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 God. 
That's the problem with Satan. The, the Bible says the reason why he fell, he said, I will exalt myself above the throne of the Most High. He looked at his beauty and thought his beauty came from him, not knowing God is the one who created him and gave him the beauty. And he got angels dumb enough to believe in him and tried to overthrow God and end up getting kicked out of heaven because he had too many eyes. And I, I don't want you to have a whole bunch of eyes. I want you to have a whole bunch of hymns. And so that's what happens when you go through stuff. It makes you focus on God. So, so Paul says we have this treasure, but it's in these clay vessels or these clay pots, jars of clay. Continue to read verses eight and nine. We are pressured in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Excuse my terminology, but we've been through hell. We've been through hell and high water. Anybody that preaches to you a message that's only prosperity, prosperity, and God just always going to make everything easy, they don't know the Bible. The Bible says the godly shall suffer persecution. The moment you say yes to God, there's demons and devils that can't stand you, and you're going to go through something, but the thing that helps you understand and keep praising God is like you're like the weevil wobble. You weevil, you wobble, but you just don't fall down. You can knock me over, but I bounce back up. You can push me to the side, but I bounce back up. I bend, but I don't break. I was built to laugh. I'm like a Timex watch. I take a licking, but I keep on ticking. I can go through hard things. I can go through rough things. I can be in low places. And that's why Paul said, I know how to be well fed, and I know how to be hungry. I know how to abase, and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. So I don't want no wishy-washy Christians around me that give up on God because they got a hangnail. I'm, I'm, I'm done, Pastor. Why? I got a hangnail. Well, I don't need you anyway. I, I don't want nobody in battle with me that can't take nothing. I need somebody that can take a bullet, that can take a wound, that can go through things. Yeah, I've been divorced, but I'm still here. Yeah, I was addicted, but I'm still here. Yeah, I had COVID, but I'm still here. Yeah, I lost my job, but I'm still here. Yeah, I lost my mind, but I'm still here. Yes, I'm in therapy, but I'm still here. I'm still here. I want some still here people that'll praise God. I, some of y'all confuse me. Because I see you praising God and I assume that the situation in your life is fixed. And then I see you and realize that the situation ain't fixed. You just praising him ahead of time. Don't wait till the battle is over. But shout right now. Because one day I won't be praising on credit. I'll be praising because God showed up and he showed out in my life. All right, let's, let's continue to read. Let's, let's, let's move a little further. Second Corinthians 4.10. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So really it's not about us anyway. It's really about the gospel message. And the gospel message is that God, he, he had a son, but he wanted a family. And he started off having a family with Adam and Eve, but they messed up and they sold their soul to the devil. Basically, is what they did. And because they did that, the whole world went into a tailspin and into chaos. And the only one who could bring it back was his son, but God would have had to let go of his son and his son was going to have to die just to reverse things back in the right order. And even though doing that, it was no guarantee that people would say yes to God even if he gave them their son. So the truth of the matter, as Christians or as Christ followers, the actual word Christian means pertaining to Christ. So we can't say we are Christians and think we're not going to die somewhere along the way. Yeah, 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 we're not going to get on the cross and have nails in our hands and be as bad as he did, but you're going to die somewhere along the way. You're going to have to take up your cross and follow him. And so Paul said the reason why it looks like we're going through all these things is because death is working in us so life can work in you. And so here's the thing. Since we are servants of God, God allows death to work in us so that the people connected to us 
can live. You, your family doesn't know how special you are. They would not make it if it wasn't for you. But God allowed you to take the hit so that they could survive. Some of y'all kids laugh at you for all the prayers you prayed. They laugh at you for all the fasting you done. They laugh at you for all the church you going to. But they don't realize the car they driving is because of your prayers. The house they live in is because of your prayers. Yeah, you died so that they may live. Now, it's a small level compared to what God has done. But when we go through stuff, it's not about us. It's about the people connected to us. And what I need us to understand, we preach the message that everybody going to hell, but just a few folk. But the truth of the matter, I believe, is more people going to make it into heaven than what we think. And the reason why some people are going to make it to heaven is just because of you. Because you done prayed with them so long and prayed over them so long and spoke life over them so long. You smell weed all over their breath and you say, God is using you. God loves you. God is on your side. And before they take their last breath, they find themselves in heaven. And when you get to heaven, you'll find out you got 37 folk with you just because of you. So go through what you got to go through because the world needs you. And the world needs me. And the world needs us. And guess who knows that? The devil knows it. So he on our head. Trying to get us to quit. Because if we quit, there's 37 other people that he gets to quit too. But guess what? I ain't got no quit in me. Let me not be grammatical quick. I ain't got no quit in me. All right, let's, let's, let's continue to read and get us out of here. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. For we who live are always given over to death because of Jesus, so that Jesus' life may also be revealed in our mortal flesh. All right, so not only is do we get to death, but it's also so the life, and the life is in our flesh. What we struggle with most if our, is what we struggle with most is our flesh. But as we go through things, we find out that the life of God comes up out of us. I've done things that I didn't know I could do. I've been mad at people and forgave them and didn't really want to forgive them, but forgave them because God's spirit was in me. And I'm like, God, I did that a little too quick. I should have held a grudge, but I didn't really have a need to hold a grudge. Because what they did didn't really matter. Because if they're doing something to me, see, here's the thing about it. If they're stabbing me in the back, that means I'm already in front of them. So in order for me to hold a grudge, I got to turn around and get on their level. So I just took the knife out of my back and said, it don't matter because I'm still going forward. And I'm like, how did I get over it? And how did I do it? Because now, because I've gone through some stuff, Christ's life is in me. And you're the same way Christ's life is in you. Y'all, y'all, y'all don't always know it. You don't, you, you don't always know when you get dressed and some of y'all, when you put your makeup on, got your face beat, got them spider eyelashes on your face, when you got all that on. You think that's what makes you beautiful. But it's the life of Christ that makes you beautiful. When you pull off your wig and you pull off your eyelashes and your eyeliner and you wash your face, you still beautiful. In your nightgown, you still beautiful. In your house shoes, you still beautiful. Because God beautifies the meek with salvation. Because God is on your side, you look good every wish away, including Sunday. You look good because of who's on your side. I need you to understand that. And the devil knows it, and that's why the devil can't stand you, because you look so good. All right, let's look at verse 13, and then we're moving on. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. This is how I know where you are in your life because your speech will always tell where you are in your life. 
Because as long as your mouth is still fixed on faith, you are somebody that is not losing. I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care what the situation feels like. If your mouth is still faithful, if you're still speaking the words of faith and still want to hear the message of faith, then I know you're still in the fight. The Bible calls it a faith fight. So it is a fight, but as long as you're still talking God and speaking God and speaking positive, you're not losing in the fight if you can still declare the faith of the Lord that God is still on my side. Well, Sister Joyce, it don't look like he's on your side. Look like you, you had a whole bunch of trouble this week. What tr- trouble? Trouble? What? What is trouble? See, what what I've learned is God will trouble my trouble. So I'm glad that the trouble comes, so trouble can see how good my God is. Uh, uh, Marvin Wine said, "What would I know about being restored if I never lost my place? And what would I know about His mercy if I never got out of grace? If I never had a bad day, how would I know how good He is?" How would I know he was a healer if I never got sick? How would I know he was a provider if I never been broke? How would I know he was a mind regulator if I never almost lost my mind? I'm glad the trouble came because it showed me how bad my God is. All right. These two points from that. I'm getting closer to this close. Here we go. Number five. Since it's only temporary, we don't let the momentary change our permanent confession. We confess our deliverance consistently. Well, you don't look like you're delivered. You don't act like you're delivered. Your bank account ain't delivered. Your marriage ain't delivered. But I'm still confessing my deliverance consistently. I won't let a momentary thing change my permanent confession. Here's my permanent confession. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed when I'm coming in and I'm blessed when I'm going out. I'm a child of God. I am forgiven. I am with the I am that I am. My confession is still permanent because I won't allow the momentary to alter the permanent. Number six. Here we go. Number six. Since it's only temporary, giving up is not an option. It's just not an option. It's just not on the table. Guess what? Sister Teresa, what I want you, I want you to try this. I want you to go to McDonald's and ask for steak and lobster. You know what they're going to tell you? That ain't on the menu. You got to go somewhere else because that ain't on the menu. Well, devil, next time you try to get me to quit, that ain't on the menu. I don't I don't serve that here. You got to go somewhere else. You got to find another church, another pastor because quitting ain't in me. It's not an option because whatever I'm dealing with, it's only temporary. How can I quit if it's only temporary? All right, let's continue to read. I'm closer to being done than what you know. Let's continue reading 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. No matter how bad it is on the outside, I'm always getting better on the inside. It may not look like it to you. The economy may not look like it. But inside, I'm getting stronger every day. So I can't give up. I just can't give up now. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. But I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Let's look at verse 17. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. This is this is so powerful. It's it actually is a play on words. I want you to put the scripture back up transparent so I can just point out something. In Hebrew, the glory of God is the word kabod or kabod. It actually means heavy, and it's actually the same word they use for chubby. It's it's like fatness. His glory is thick and fat. So Paul, being a Hebrew, he has a play on words. He says for our momentary, number one is momentary, but then he says our affliction but he calls the affliction light. It's not to be compared to the chubby glory 
that's going to rest on me for eternity. So that's why I always say, just perhaps you don't get it here. If your life never turns around here, you never get married, you never get money, you never get a house, you never have a degree here, it's okay because you get eternity and you get everything there. So you're going to win either way. You're probably going to win here and there. But just if you die before you get it here, don't worry. What you went through here is light compared to the heavy glory that's going to rest on you for eternity. And it's hard for us to understand because we've never been in eternity. But the Bible says a day to God is like a thousand years. None of us are a thousand years old, so none of us have lived one day. So all the hell you've been through in your 30, 40, 50, 60 years, it is not going to compare to the glory you're resting in. Here's the thing that helps me, knowing my daddy is gone, my daddy's having a time of his life. He never met a stranger that he couldn't talk to and tell his story. Now he in heaven get to tell all his stories. He wearing them angels out up in heaven. He is having a ball. So it keeps me from overly being sad because that's what he lived for. That's what he worked for. And he's getting his reward. So whatever you're facing, is it not only is it momentary, it's a light. All right, here's number seven. Our last point. The trade-off is in our favor, so we can't lose our focus. So here's the last verse. Read 2 Corinthians 4, 18. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The trouble, the trials, the obstacles that's in front of your face, yes, they are seen, but the seen is only temporary. The unseen is eternal. And the blessing God got with your name on it, I'm telling you, it's worth whatever you got to go through. It's worth it all. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's put the title back up and let's say it one more time together. We're going to say it three times. It's only temporary. It's only temporary. Some on, one more time. It's only temporary. Let's bow our heads and let's close in prayer. Father God, I do thank you for the people of God. Thank you for the people that have been called to pastor. These are a amazing people. Solomon called them a great people. And many of them have been in many various challenges in the last several years, especially since this decade kicked off. But you've been reminding me and helping me to inspire them to keep the faith. But you just told me through a little thing that it's only temporary. So don't allow us to make permanent decisions on things we were only going through temporarily and momentarily because what you have for us is so great. And we have already convinced that we don't have to get it here to be happy. We're going to rest and have festivals and feasts. We're going to enjoy our ourselves on the way to where we're going. We're going to enjoy the journey because at the end of the day, we know you are on our side. Now, God bless the people as they, as they leave this place, but never leave your presence. And God, if there's anybody that doesn't know Jesus in the pardon of their sins, I pray that they would just say these words, Father God. You sent your son to die, so I accept him into my life for my sins. I repent, and I receive this rest, and I realize the accoutrements of life are only temporary, but my hope in you is eternal. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. You are dismissed. Much love to you.